Good morning, Misfits. You are tuning in to episode seven of the Misfit Project. I am your host, Drew Crandall. As always, across from the table is Ted. Ted, how are you this morning? Excited to be here. Yes. Before we get into everything, um, we are going to do a Q&A episode uh, to follow up this episode. And if you guys go on to Instagram at themisfit.project, you'll see a little video of me talking, asking for questions. Post your questions below that or read through and just like one of the questions to upvote it. That's also going to go onto our Facebook. We're just Misfit Project on Facebook. Um, same thing. Put your comments down. Like somebody else's comments so that we get through. We've just had so many good questions come through different platforms of social media, email, um, even in person. And I'd like to be able to answer these questions for you guys. A lot of them are similar. So I'd like to be able to answer them for you in depth um, where everybody can kind of hear what it is. So today's episode is all about what happens when we go through all of the stuff that we've talked about. I know it's a lot over the course of the last five weeks, and then we try to apply it to ourselves. We've made a conscious effort to really dig into a lot of these concepts, and now we have to kind of personalize things. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Ted. Um, Thinking back over the course of the last five weeks and the stuff we've talked about, what's something that you've put into your life and sort of made it your own as opposed to like following a step-by-step program? I think for me, probably the uh, prioritizing of sleep uh, was the biggest kind of uh, game changer. Um, You know, kind of winding down, making a cup of tea, you know, two hours before bed, putting on the glasses, kind of really making an effort to turn my brain off and let myself kind of get ready for that sleep to happen Mm -hmm. um it helped me feel better keeps me more alert during the day um but yeah that's i mean that for me was the biggest piece what's Um, the what kind of tea usually whatever's at hand it's it's always an herbal tea i don't do any like green tea or black tea that late at night just because i feel like the caffeine does affect me a little bit it's not as bad as if i drank a cup of coffee or anything like that but um usually like an herbal sleep tea uh you go to tivana at the mall the like starbucks tea hut basically yeah. uh they have a good like relaxation tea it's got like flowers and shit in it but yeah it tastes good cool throw a little vinegar in that damn tastes like feet a little bit but <laughs> it helps you You had me at taste good and then the vinegar <laughs> yeah the vinegar it messes with it a little bit but uh it was actually i think tim ferris i saw talking about it he does raw honey yeah and a little bit of uh raw vinegar yeah um I don't find that it affects my sleep at all, but it does definitely kind of change the the tea enough that it makes it interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did you have a piece that you really, you know, grasped onto? Yeah. I think that, I think that for me, the, the personalization aspect, um, once you start to really dig and get into this stuff and you get into the side of, you know, I've made a conscious effort to, to move this and this and this around um, to pick, piggyback on the sleep thing. I know a lot of people um, take like 5-HTP as part of their sleep stack, and that had some sort of reverse effect on me. Um, it hmm. did not work for me. So I tried the <clears> – <throat> essentially my sleep stack now, as I've mentioned before, is the Natural Calm and the Vitamin C, the Virutech from Onnit. And I tried added, tried adding theanine to that. I tried adding 5-HTP to that. Um, I did not notice a difference, plus or minus, with the theanine. Um, I do notice a really good difference with that with coffee, though. If you're the type of person that has that big spike with coffee and you take L-theanine, which is a super cheap supplement, it helps kind of smooth it out like tea. Oh. Um, but the 5-HTP, which works for so many people, I don't know what it is about me. Um, you know, We'll get into epigenetics a little bit in this episode, but it just wasn't it wasn't doing it for me. It wasn't working well. So that's where that personalization piece comes in. People listen to a podcast with K-Star, Charles Poliquin, or whoever it is, and they emulate that. And they don't maybe necessarily take that intuitive piece of how do I actually feel? Yeah. Is this making a change for me? Um, And for me, you know, having my notebook and, you know, writing all those little things down to try to make these changes and try to help myself and other people, I found that that's where I was. Now, for me personalize personal personalizing i'll get there guys <laughs> i even took my alpha brain this morning and i still couldn't say personalizing so for me the biggest thing has been adjusting my diet to what i know 
can be good for you, but also what I know works for me personally. And um, two big buzzwords right now, you know, in the community are intermittent fasting and a ketogenic diet. Yeah. Um, I personally find that not because, you know, this, this is a dangerous territory, not because I think it, it works for everyone, but because for me, intermittent fasting allows me to have a lot of mental clarity in the morning, partially because fasting does bring that about, but also because I'm not leaving my computer or the book I'm reading or whatever it is to go deal with food, to go with weighing and measuring, to go through all of that. And then the ketogenic diet, and I want to use that term loosely, a high fat, low carb diet, I should say, because a ketogenic diet's, you know, a pretty serious protocol. Um, I'm, I eat high fat, moderate protein prior to any exercise once the fasting is done. And that's really easy in terms of recipes and things of that nature. It's yeah. really easy to get those calories in something like a, you know, I do decaf bulletproof coffee on a pretty regular basis and that's as easy as it gets, you know, throw all that stuff into a blender, turn it on and it's a pretty decent amount you know, of calories, obviously. So, and it's delicious and it's delicious, especially if you put a little cinnamon in it. So that's something that works really well for me. And the only, again, the only thing that I have to deal with personally is that people think that I want to put that style of eating on them or that I think like a CrossFit games athlete should eat that way. When in reality, um, I think we have to start as I said in the fuel episode, sort of dissecting parts of our day to be like, what am I trying to accomplish? Did I just exercise? Is my body, you know, more insulin sensitive right now? That kind of thing. So for me to be able to put that in and not have to worry about food while I'm working and to sort of put that towards the end of the night, um, it's had a lot of health benefits for me. You know, I had a ton of stomach issues when I was younger. Um, and fasting helps a lot with stomach issues. So, for me, it's just something that works really well. And it's, you know, it's, it's weird changing your, you know, your goals and strategies from, you know, before a lot of what I focused on was like, I want to back squat 450 pounds. And now it's like, I want to be healthy and make sure that my mind works really well when I'm trying to work. So it's a, yep. obviously that is like opposite ends of the spectrum. Yep. That's like a big change. And that intuitive piece is huge too. It is. Cause so just for example, with the sleep thing, uh, everybody talks about natural calm and magnesium. And I was finding that with the dosage that I was taking, I would crash like 30 minutes after I took it, mm -hmm. like dead asleep, be asleep for maybe 20, 30 minutes and pop out of sleep, wake up wide awake yeah. for a good hour and a half. It's like taking a power nap basically. Right. So I had to play a lot with the dosage that mm -hmm. I was taking. I'd reduce it a little bit. I don't know if it was too much. And it just was affecting me in a way that my body was not handling it well. But yeah. the intuitive piece is huge because, yeah, the prescription might say take some natural calm to get some sleep. But if you're taking it and you're not getting that sleep, right. it's not benefiting you at all. Yeah, my guess there would be the the true down regulation piece might not have been happening. And the natural calm might have momentarily had like a tranquility effect on you. Sure. But your nervous system's like, hey, we're still back here. We're still ready to rock. Right. Like that kind of thing. So. Yeah. It sounds to me like you've gone through the stages of figuring this out and, you know, you did mention that like two hours before bed that like just making sure that that mentality is there. Yeah. Because if it's not, supplements are nice and they can, you know, give you that drowsiness and whatever. But if you're not actually getting yourself into that, you know, parasympathetic nervous system, then eh. even if you fall asleep, you may not sleep that well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge part of it. So. With all of that in mind, um, it's important to look back at this system and, you know, really understand once again, I'll keep this recap as short as I can, why we're doing what we're doing and, and where the order was and how did we end up at personalization last. Um, we start with that piece of we evolved in small groups um, of people that essentially had to be useful to us to survive. That um, helped us develop feel-good hormones that mixed with a sar good circadian rhythm of, you know, sun goes down, we produce melatonin, sun goes up, we produce cortisol. We put that stuff together 
with the feel-good hormones and we start to sleep a little bit better. Once we sleep better, once we get into this piece of I'm feeling a little bit better mentally, now I'm sleeping a little bit better, um, we can attack modern stressors with a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more control would be one way to put it. Um, We can understand that these things create a stress response that happens, but, you know, it's not really our choice. It's, It's not... You know, I hate to always go back to it's not your fault. Um, Once you know the answers, it is your fault. But so many of us aren't aware of the fact that our body would have the same biological response to being pissed off in traffic as it would being chased by a lion. Um, And we would understand why we wouldn't want to go there and how we could start to attack some of these things. We also all, and I mean all of us, understand stress eating. This is the, you know, I know that we have some people listening in other countries based on the analytics, but unfortunately our influence, as we've seen traveling, casts its net much further than just the United States. And uh, I like the fact that, you know, when I found out a lot of this stuff, I liked the fact that it made sense. Like I, you know, believing your own BS is a dangerous thing. So believing that when I would go into that mode of, I'll eat what I want. Like I'm going to die when, you know, I'm going to die someday. I had to do what I want, but I wasn't calling the shots there. I wasn't calling the shots at all. You know, I, you know, you feed the machine, you get, you know, those gut bugs that want the sugar and then you get the, the stress response where, you know, the blood sugar goes up and it comes back down and our body's like, we need this. Um, I've only been around for 31 years. The evolution inside of my body and how that all works has been around for a very long, much time. longer than and that. It knows how to play the tricks. And knowing that can be a little bit more powerful because then you can say, just no, I'm not going to go there. I can't do this. I got to set up some sort of system or I have to tell myself, you know, I'm not going to, you know, if I eat bad once because I'm stressed out, I'm going to make sure from that point on that I, you know, mention it to someone that I ate like crap or I eat lunch with friends when they'd be like, Hey, aren't you, you know, is that misfit project friendly? What the hell are you eating over there? Like I try to put myself in situations where I can snap out of it. And then it's really easy from that point to get on track. Um, and then, you know, being properly fueled, you know, once, once again, we've put ourselves in that mental space to make solid decisions when it comes to nutrition and that starts to come around. We're starting to feel a little bit better. That's when we can grab onto that exercise piece. Um, but as we learned last week, it's not, all about the exercise right it's you know that non-exercise movement is super important you know standing versus sitting walking around just being that more active person you know using the benefits of modern technology to you know whether it's count your steps or one of the watch you know add-ons that says you haven't moved in x amount of time whatever it is it's time to stand Exactly. It's time to stand when it, and and honestly, when it tells you time to stand, it's time to move. Yeah. It's time to stand up and go for a walk. Yeah. And man, if you're doing a bunch of laps, as we learned last week, if you're doing a bunch of laps, even just around your office, you're burning five times as many calories as the person that's standing still. Plus you're setting yourself up to survive longer. Absolutely. So we've, we've moved through all of this stuff and there's a lot of legwork involved in there. There's a lot of evaluating your life and saying, I want to try this and I want to try that. And I know a lot of people have come into a certain episode, you know, maybe they started at three or four or five, whatever it was. And, you know, we hope that you work backwards, but maybe you don't, um, like where you start and what you grab onto and what starts to help you make a change will be what allows you to go to those other areas and say, okay, I'm ready for this. This part worked. It was simple, but it applied really well to me. Now I can go back and work on all this other stuff. But make no mistake, there's a lot of like prerequisites to the questions that I always get. The questions that I always get are the trick, the magical pill, the supplement, the... I mean, I joke about this all the time, but people talk to me way too much about like the type of shoes that they wear <laughs> and stuff like that. Um <laughs> It's It's important, Drew. Well, you know, it's only important if you've tried a lot and you're searching for answers at the end of the road. Yeah. If you're at the beginning of the road and you want to know how to fly to the end of the road or 
there is no end, obviously, but way further down the road, it's just not going to work. There's absolutely nothing that we can do that's going to get us there. And that's why personalization is not the beginning. Um, Once we make it through, once we get through that intro period, and let me tell you, somebody that's been working on this for years, um, the intro period happens a lot. Happens a few times a year. Yeah. Like, got to get back to it. Yep. I focused way too much on this one piece. I don't feel the way that I used to. I don't feel the way that I want to, or I have new goals, whatever it is. We just start over. We, we have this checklist that says, if I tried all this, okay, and that will take care of 99% of the issues. And that personalization piece is that 1% of saying, how do I make this mine? How do I make this my routine? And then further into that personalization is like, you know, what supplements do I take? And where right, do I the go small, with this? The small tweaks. Exactly, yeah. the, the small tweaks. Um, one thing that I really wanted to touch on in this episode, and, and I won't take too long on it, and it's not too far off the reservation, but there's, you know, because this episode is called You, we're talking about personalization, and there's really two sides to this coin. There's the concept of bio-individuality, where it's like we are all different. And we're all different for a bunch of different reasons. Um, and essentially all I want to say about bio-individuality is that your diet will not look exactly the same as someone else's diet. Your sleep needs will not be the same as somebody else's. Those are all different. But my problem with only staying on that side of the coin is we slide into that mentality that conventional medicine has that says, this is what's wrong with you. We're sorry. We'll try to mitigate the symptoms with something medicine yes pills pills yeah the other side of that coin is something that we're learning more and more about now at a a rapid rate called epigenetics and essentially epigenetics and we'll, we'll talk about both pieces of it but we all have our dna we all have our genetic code and it is what it is that is your like you have your genetic code i have my genetic code but the example that's always used to explain this is if you had a clone or an identical twin, um, and you were separated at birth, you and your clone are separated <laughs> at birth, and you meet again when you're 50 or 60. Exact same genetic code, exact. You will look different, you will not be the same height, unless miraculously you had the exact same life. Right. But you will look different, you will have different health markers, you will be more or less at risk for diseases that they used to believe were just in your genetic code. Um, All of these things are changed through what happens throughout your entire life. And you guys, this is is another place where I would recommend if you wanna nerd out, YouTube, place to be. Um, But essentially when we, you know, I'm not, you know what? I'm not even gonna go there. When, When we go to, if you want to learn more about the, the mechanisms of, you know, these, these genes either expressing or being held back or anything like that, um, go look into it. And we can obviously do an epigenetics episode. It's extremely interesting. Um, but I think it could potentially hijack the message that we want here. The other piece of epigenetics that's really important is, and this throws guilt onto everybody, is that what you do in your life, what you eat what you smoke, what you, you know, where you go, what you do, how you do it, environmental factors. If you live in the city, if you live, you know, on a farm and you have, you know, pollution and stuff like that, you are affecting the genetics of your children and their children and their children. And this is something that was for a little while, um, controversial in the, you know, scientific medical community. It's not that controversial anymore. They're really finding that this stuff can affect you all the way down the line. Now, for some people, that's motivation. You know, some people are either have kids or getting ready to have kids. You know, that would be motivation to clean up your life. And then for other people, it's like, come on, man, like my grandchildren, you're telling me right now that what I do will literally affect generations to come over my entire family. That's pretty crazy. But what is so powerful about epigenetics is we can turn these crappy genes off we can turn the good genes on through our environment. And what I mean by our environment is weeks, you know, two or one through five of the misfit project, what we do, 
our two environment. Six. Yeah, two through six. <laughs> episodes two through six. Yes. Weeks one through five. Don't yes. get confused here, people. Come on. We're on week six, episode seven. It's also simple. Yes, it's very <laughs> simple. Just a little adding and subtracting. So that will dictate whether these genes are turned on and off. And then what is so cool is once they're turned on, we can turn them back off. We've talked in previous weeks about studies that are done on people that seem like they are screwed and they make changes and the changes actually happen. So, you know, you think about, we go straight back to last week with the bone density thing. Someone develops, you know, turns that gene on through what they do. Um, You know, they get the, you know, the, all the different issues with muscles and bones, you know, um, you know, all those commercials where the, the guy, it pauses and he grabs his back and his wrist and they want you to take those supplements and everything that stuff can be reversed. And that's really exciting. It's exciting. And it also puts the onus on us. It's no longer, I am the way that I am. It is what it is. I'll just deal with it. I'll just, you know, roll over and die. That kind of thing. Um, there's a level of responsibility that's put on us with the science that's coming out that says, we can fix this. We don't have to be, you know, we don't, we get to decide a lot more than we think that we do. And to me, that's really exciting. That's one of those things where if I can convince someone, you know, through a study or through, you know, a lot of times I've, I've found that people that are a little bit older, like news articles, Ooh. they really like news articles. So if you send them a study, they're like, get away from me. And if you send them a video, they're like, how do you turn this on? But if you send them something from a publication that That's like ages, held bro. weight when they were coming up and something that they still read, if they read it there, they're like, okay, I'm in. Some that serious kind of business. This is some serious business. So that plays back into the like, how do we find that avenue to reach people? So if you have someone in your life that's dealing with some of these issues and they could actually reverse them, let alone just mitigate the issues, do a do a little personal research and find out, you know, who are they going to believe? Um, because if you, you know, if you go tell, you know, your grandfather that the doctors are wrong, he's just going to tell you to go away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that's like the most trusted man in the community. You know, when we trace back to 50s, 60s, 70s, and they probably actually held more weight. They'd like come to your house they would sit and talk with you. You might see them at a restaurant, something like that. Now you get five to 10 minutes and bye-bye. Yeah. It's over. So it kind of makes sense why they held weight, you know, back in that community. But I always feel like if, if we're going to, if we're going to make a dent in all these issues with this podcast, like we're sort of helping people and then training them to help other people. And you always got to find your avenue. Do not be that person that argues with someone about their personal health. Because once we know why they are the way that they are, we can apply a little bit of sympathy. We can take a step back and say, hey, I've dealt with some similar issues. Now that I've fixed them, I'm not better than them. I just maybe got the information sooner or was lucky enough to be around a certain person that convinced me. Yeah, don't start a family fight over your holiday dinners coming up because you're worried about people's health. Yeah, and it's funny too. <laughs> that that gives me an awesome example. My My... It's either my, I think it's my great aunt for some reason thinks, even though I've never talked to her about it, like that I eat like 400 grams of protein a day. Like I'm like the farts with like body, like bodybuilder man. Um, and obviously in our community, I'm not that muscular, but in her community, like old people community, I'm pretty, you know, I'm in pretty good shape. Drew would be a muscular old man. (laughs) I'd be a pretty muscular old man. And she, every time she sees me, talks to me about how, uh, certain organs can't process X amount of protein. Ooh, she she's, must have watched What the she, Health. She's actually wrong. Um, but sorry, I don't argue with her. I don't go there. Sorry, like, great aunt. like if I can find a way to talk to her about, you know, she like loves horses, and I'm like, oh, it's really good to be outside, and you get this vitamin D, and I know you've been struggling with sleep. Like, you can go there. Plus, horses are delicious. Oh boy. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever had horse. No, I definitely haven't. Oh, my God. Klokov swears by it, though. I don't... Yes, there's no way Seth would care. Seth ate horse in Montreal. The paleo meals at the event, at the event, was like... Seth's like, I'm eating horse right now. I got I assume the translation was correct. It said horse meat right on the... 
Whoa. Yeah. Canada. Yeah, Canada with the horse meat paleo meals. That's some serious paleo right there. Dang. Hey, listen, I'm of the mind, and this is like a soapbox, my opinion kind of situation, but I'm of the mind that if it's going to die, use it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they're going out there. I don't think there's like a horse farm where they have, you know what I mean? I don't know. I can't imagine they're just sitting around waiting for horses to die and then well, stuffing no. them I mean, I know that bars. horses get put down because they can't do whatever, but I'm just saying don't waste. Don't waste the horses, people. Don't waste the meat. Don't waste the meat. That is a great segue. <laughs> a little tangent there. Into sort of the, the, the point of this episode, and it is the most frequently asked questions that I have for each topic that I feel like will sort of shed some light onto what I mean by this personalization piece by this comes last and it doesn't come last as in this is the end. It comes last as in, you know, it's really important, but this is, you know, where it goes in the order. So we're going to start off with tribes and a question that I get a lot when I bring up auditing personal relationships is like, what if you can't choose who you hang out with? Now, there's two sides to this. The first one is taking some responsibility, even if it's painful in the short term, is, is a big part of it. A lot of people just don't want to tell that person that they connected really well with when they were in their late teens, early 20s, that their like negativity isn't just jiving with what they got going on anymore. You got to take that onto yourself. That's not something that, you know we can necessarily tell you how to do. Um, the other side of it is people want to know like, you know, my boss is a dick or, um, you know, the people that I work with really stress me out. That community really stresses me out. And my answer there is that it's twofold. It's one outside of work. It becomes more imperative. You don't want to be beaten down in that community and then come out the other side and deal with it again. Right. When it comes to your personal relationships. Right. Um, and I think that can be a pattern with people. They sort of just say like, I, I have to deal with this. So I'm just going to deal with it. No, you don't. Right. Like you should use your, people should get excited about their mortality. Like we should make these decisions. Our life is precious. Like you don't want to blink and have five years go by and have another five years wasted on these people when you could either spend more time with the people that you enjoy, find new people that'll, you know, be more uplifting. So make sure that if you 100% have to keep your job, if it's not one of those things where like, like we'll talk about this again in the next questions about shift workers. Um, if you have to keep your job, you make sure you start with outside of work and then I guarantee that your positivity will bleed back into the community. You be the change at work. You be the person that, you know, doesn't bring donuts in, but like, you know, ask people if they want to go for a walk at yeah. lunchtime or something like it that. Kinda, it kind of, it kind of also harkens back to the, the mind episode where if you can get in your mind, get right with your thoughts and controlling your emotions, it will kind of allow you to be in an environment that's maybe more stressful but handle it better. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you can kind of see how, when we're talking about this, it's, it's almost impossible for, for Tetherai to connect, like keep it all on its own because we want it connected. We want you guys to see how this stuff all mixes together. And the question, the other question with the travel piece goes right into the sleep piece. Um, a lot of people talk to me about, you know, I can't, I can't get sunlight like my job or it's this or it's that. What you can do though is take it upon yourself to get, go buy that blue light that we talk about. We've yep. talked about that a bunch of times. Yep. Go to Amazon, type in blue light. Get them pretty cheap on Amazon too. Yeah. Finally yeah. for the longest time. Um, I mean, this is really just, I think maybe three, four years ago when I, you know, read about, you know, all this light therapy and everything. You go to look and Philips was the only company that had it. Mm -hmm. And obviously they're the ones being recommended maybe by a doctor, sure. that kind of thing. And they were like 200 bucks. Yeah. They charge a premium. Yeah. It's super expensive. Now we got Amazon companies in other countries go on and look to see what items seed the highest. Yep. And they say, I can make that for 30 cents. Right. Now ethics there's a piece there. Maybe you want to buy the $20 one and not the $5 one, whatever you guys decide on that piece. But that the blue light 
therapy, what it does is it is it mimics the sunshine. And then once we start to feel better, we might start to take a little bit more responsibility and say, there are a bunch of places for me to get sunlight. Um, you know, I do need to invest in, you know, some, some decent cold weather gear so I can get outside. Like I personally have made a full transition from as a kid and as a snowboarder, I love the snow to it is snowing outside right now. And all I can think about is my wet feet, my snow blower and my shovel and all of that. Like I, I understand, I totally get it. But let me tell you when you, there's snow on the ground and it's fairly nice outside and you are dressed properly, it's really nice being out in it. Yeah. It's like it's an refreshing. amazing, like calming, like it's incredible. So once you get there, once you get yourself to that point, you will find that you want to be outside more and you want to get more into this stuff. The sleep question that I get the most, and this is, I would say by far the question that I get the most, um, is what do shift workers do? And I'm not about to sit here and say that the people that make sure that if I, you know, fall down the stairs in the middle of the night, save my life or my house lights on fire or someone breaks into my house. Like I can't sit here and say, all you guys quit your jobs. Right. We'd be, we'd, we'd be screwed if Definitely. you guys all quit your jobs. Now, when the time rolls around that you get offered to change shifts to improve your situation, obviously you should take that. If you are working a shift job, that is not, you know, a great job for you. The pay is not good. You could look elsewhere. You should like that's, I can't sit here and sugarcoat absolutely everything. Um, it's really bad for you. It's really bad for you to change your circadian rhythm that often. Um, that the health risks are pretty staggering. So if you are making that choice and there's something you can do about it, um, I, you know, it's just sort of like a disclaimer. You should do something about it. Now, we talk a lot about modern technology is, you know, the source of all of these evils, but it also allows us to simulate being outside, being in the dark. Um, we can use the fact that we are now in, um, you know, we have our own bedroom and our own bed and we're not in a cave or in a tent or even in a house that doesn't do a very good job of, you know, protecting us, whatever it is. So we've already talked about the blue light. When you guys shift workers, when you guys wake up, we need light exposure. You have to get that cortisol and melatonin rhythm in place. So you go with the light. You always do that. It is more important for you than it is for me because it's fairly light out when I get up. Even if I don't make that choice to walk outside, you know, my eyes can see what's going on. Um, it, I'm talking every day, every single morning. Um, I've mentioned it before, but my wife has hers plugged in next to the sink. She has to, you know, do the girl thing to get ready for work. And that is not adding any time to her routine at all. But she plugs that in. And she's taking care of something right there, right off the bat. It's not challenging. Like we said, it's not that expensive. Um, so we go with the blue light right off the bat. Um, that, you know, small set of burpees or air squats or whatever it is to tell your body, you know, we got this going on. And then the pinch of pink salt in the water um, not only hydrates you, but also pumps up the adrenals a little bit. We just, you got to tell yourself you're awake. And you guys know better than I do what zombie mode feels like. Um, if you're a shift worker, I, I've had to get up for, I've had to get up at 4am twice in the last six days for flights. And I feel like you guys probably feel like that a lot of weeks. Um, so you know what that's like, but I'm telling you right now, the mornings where you just do something, just move around and get yourself ready for the day. I say mornings, your morning, whatever your version of the morning is, you're going to make a big difference in your mental acuity throughout the day. You're going to do better in your job. You're going to be less stressed out. And then once it's time to go to sleep, it is so important that you get meticulous with the blackout situation, like cover all windows. I'm not talking just the window. I'm talking the seams. I'm talking if you're, you know, when you're in a hotel and you pull the drapes across and you're like, damn it. 
these are the ones that leave that one inch. Like the room is pitch black and then you have that one inch of light like beaming through your room. Now I was like stack chairs and like stuff the thing against the wall and figure out a way to, to work around it. But if we're talking about your actual bedroom, like go all out on on making sure that this is as black as possible. That includes the electrical tape over, you know, chargers and, you know, the light on your smoke detector, anything like that. It's really important. Um, we talked about in the sleep episode, the photoreceptors in your skin. Your skin knows that there's light there as well. So it's not just your eyes. Uh, sleep mask would be fantastic. Um, we get that darkness right off the bat. So shift workers use, essentially the answer is use modern technology to mimic those situations as much as possible. And then just aim for consistency. Um, you know, you're, you're, there's a pretty good chance that if you're living with someone and you're working, you're helping, you know, create the, your life together and you're helping provide for them so they can understand that they might only, even on your off days, get to see you from, some weird time, you know, four to seven or something like that. Try to, try to maintain consistency as much as possible. I know that we've got some parents out there that, that can't do that. They get to the weekend and they got to do, you know, soccer and whatever it is. I totally get that. Um, again, just, just essentially do what you can. Don't be as consistent as you can. Yeah. Don't throw your hands up in the air and say I'm screwed. Um, because that's that responsibility piece where it's actually not true. Um, we've got a lot of, there's, there's a lot of things that can help you. Moving on from sleep, um, we are now into the the mindfulness practice, and I get it a lot. Um, I can't do it. I can't meditate. I can't. What do you mean breathe? Um, which is funny, <laughs> but whatever it is, and it makes sense from an intuitive standpoint. The person that needs help with mindfulness can't do it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that lines up better than anything you could, you could say it's, it's black and white. So you need to find your in, you need to find what relaxes you. You need to think about what relaxes you. Um, and you know, we can go back to, if we need to, we can go back to, to modern technology. There's, um, an app that I use for, for both meditation and breathing. It's called Oak. Um, it's a fairly new one. And what I'll do for my five minutes of breathing for the, for the morning meditations from our Instagram page is I just set a timer for five minutes and then they have three versions of breathing. Um, there's like pump you up, there's relax you, there's a few different ones. And I just sit there and restart it and I work through it and I feel so much different when I'm done in the mornings that I skip it. I'm like, Oh, I just, I don't need this. I can't do it. Whatever. And then the next day I'll do it again. I'm like, why didn't I do that yesterday? Right. It doesn't like, it's one of those things where like, once you get on a roll and once you see the benefit of it, you try not to go there, but it still happens sometimes. Oh yeah. You're still like, I don't want to sit down right now for five minutes. Right. But when I do, I see this massive benefit from five minutes of, of breathing. So we can start there. There's also, you know, we're in the information age, go on YouTube and, and type in like breathing. And it's things pop up where it's guided breathing. Things pop up where it's, you know, in, in for four, hold for two, out right. for four, hold for two. Um, there's so many of those make up your own and as much as you can hold until you don't want to anymore. Exhale as much <laughs> as you can. And you know what I mean? Like once you get, once you get the idea of, of how this goes, like I think honestly, it's more about the fact that these, you know, whatever it is, a yogi or a shaman convince someone to breathe more than, no, 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 six, two, four, two is the <laughs> secret. I mean, the, the apps make it super easy. They do. It's, it's just a matter of making the decision to yeah. take that five to 10 minutes in the morning to set your day up. Yeah. And it's only five or 10 minutes. Right. You know, you spend five or 10 minutes in the bathroom playing games on your phone sometimes. Like. Yeah. What's, what's an extra five minutes at the exact same time? Yeah. Well, what's, what's another five minutes in the morning, right. especially if it's going to set your day up on the right course. Right. And these apps, a lot of them are free and a lot of them make it super easy and in a way that they sit you down and they tell you what to think about. Right. When to think about it yeah. and when not to think about it. Super easy. It is. And we're talking about, you know, when we go to the mindfulness, you guys know that the morning routine is really important to me. And if I had to get somebody started, I just, I would not as a health coach, accept the excuse 
that you can't get a little light exposure, knock out 10 burpees, chug a glass of water and do this breathing for a few minutes. Like I personally prefer the nice 60 to 90 minute morning routine type thing, but that's where we can get started. Um, with the meditation, um, such a big part of what we're trying to do here is we're trying to engage our parasympathetic nervous system. Um, and I got a couple of comments on the parasympathetic versus sympathetic with the podcast. I might switch to just saying rest and digest and fight or flight. (laughs) Um, but when we want to go rest and digest, um, a lot of it's about engaging that side of our nervous system. You know, we have the valgus nerve that essentially decides, you know, am I going left? Am I going right? That kind of thing. So what we can do especially if you're, you know, a techie nerd kind of person, um, we can grab a heart rate monitor. Um, you can get Bluetooth heart rate monitors right on Amazon and we can go into a bunch of different apps. Most of them are powered by, uh, um, Sweetbeat, I believe is the company, but like, I know Ben Greenfield has one that they made. Um, Dave Asprey, the bulletproof guy has one, they have their own, but it's essentially all the same app. They just reface it for a company right they brand it exactly so in there you can actually see the low frequency and high frequency of your heartbeat and that tells you literally in real time your heart rate variability and whether you are engaging your sympathetic or parasympathetic you can watch yourself spaz out or be calm and you can play games with that you can do the breathing on the phone and literally look at it and try to figure out, you know, how do I get this higher? How do I get this lower? Um, and we mentioned in the mindfulness episode, we can, you know, jump on a a machine that will measure our heart rate and we can try to get our heart rate up and then we can find out what mindset and what breathing gets it back down. And that makes it very like, I see the results immediately. It's in my face. I understand this is how, this is where I need to go mentally and physically to get my heart rate back down. Yep. Um, and then we can start to understand our physiology a little bit more. We can understand, you know, the exhale knocks down the, the heart rate a little bit more than, than maybe an inhale would. Um, this, you know, volume of breathing or this consistency or timing of breathing will do this for me and this won't. So there's always a way to start Um, I do find that the people that struggle with this, uh, a lot of times typically are a little bit more active. So be active, you know, do a set of, you know, do your, do your burpee, like do an interval, do five burpees and then try to get, you know, try to get your heart rate under a hundred and then do five burpees and try to get your heart rate under a hundred. Mix those two things together. If you have to, what you're doing is you're forcing yourself to not go on autopilot. You're forcing yourself to say, I'm the boss here. I'm going to dictate how this goes. I'm going to figure out, um, when I'm acting certain ways that I don't want to, or when, you know, the modern world is, you know, really after me, what can I do? Where can I go mentally that brings me back to the place that I want to be? The next question is, um, it's, it's interesting. It's so, so the, super loaded. It's super loaded. The fuel, the the fuel question there's 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 two here that I get a lot um the first one is what supplements do I need to take um typically the answer is if I was being blunt um I don't know I don't know you <laughs> but that's important like I wouldn't word it that way but that's in that's an important that's the first thing that pops into my head um there are some proven supplements that can be harder to find in a diet and I totally understand why you would use them. Um, creatine is probably the number one for me. Um, there's longevity benefits. There's health benefits outside of, of trying to get creatine into your muscle cells. Um, it's really good for your brain. It's just really good for you. Now, the people that listen to the supplement community, first of all, don't ever listen to the supplement community. <laughs> if I start making supplements, don't listen to me on like how often to take them. What, you know what I mean? Like I, I can promise you right now that I would never go that route. I would never be the type of person to try to get you to load a supplement or whatever. So all the, really all I'm saying about the creatine is don't worry about the loading phase. Um, that's not a thing. Don't do that. None of us are bodybuilders. Let's just 
let's get that right out. And if you are a bodybuilder, yeah, don't, maybe some of us are. don't do it. Um, five grams of creatine will not give you stomach cramps. Um, I get the question from uh, females a lot. Like, am I going to get bulky? No, it is really hard to get bulky. That's that's one um, where I'm I'm really excited for for the women out there that are helping us change the concept of what a woman's supposed to look like from a healthy woman to you know maybe the like the modeling community where you know you really do when you see a picture of someone worry about their health yeah and you know that's not just physical health that's mental health that's the whole the whole gamut so that's that's really exciting but with that being said it is very hard to get you know the the work that it takes to get like jacked and bulky is like you would not but like it's 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 excruciating so the concept of if i take a little creatine if i lift lift a little weights that's going to happen um Men would be very excited if that was true. That would be great. That would be cool. <laughs> if I could just take a little creatine, do a couple of curls, you know, a couple bench. Um, Beach season. It doesn't work. So luckily for someone who's worried about getting bulky, that's the piece. But the main take home here with the supplements is if you have made it this far down the road, if you have worked on your diet, you've worked on all these other pieces and you're still maybe searching for an edge in a very specific place. Um, I would say on the, on the mental side, um, it, a lot of it's guess and check. So if you're looking for like different nootropics are going to work for different people for different reasons. So a number one nootropic wise, you could just go caffeine and theanine talked about it earlier. That's where the concept of nootropics came from. They found, you know, brain activity was a lot smoother with, combinations like that actually fish oil and coffee not like dump your fish oil in your coffee but within the same window taking fish oil supplements you know taking epa dha with caffeine that's where this concept came from um but with our bio individuality it is going to be different so that that community is more of a guess and check um and i will say for the most of the for the most part stay away from you know the the uh prescription grade you know when you look at something like siltep i don't know if it's pronounced siltep or kiltep but it's c-i-l-t-e-p it's like artichoke extract and forskolin you know stuff like that mm. whereas you know alpha brain is going to be the same way right now we're talking pro vigil new vigil adderall that territory can get very dangerous so yeah. um you know if you're like a silicon valley higher up you know good luck i'll you know I don't know. I'll say a prayer for you, maybe. <laughs> uh, so, physical side though, blood work is the is is the way to go. Yeah, we gotta we have to get into, and this is actually a mission of mine to somehow, some way, at some point in my professional career, be able to suggest a company that does a subscription based blood work. You know two to six times a year that's affordable yeah blood work is super expensive for the longest time we thought that there was that fake prodigy ceo that said you could prick your finger and put the blood drop in at like a cvs and it would tell you your entire blood panel her evaluation was like she was she was like 20 years old or something her evaluation was like 20 billion for a company and then they found out that the technology wasn't there yep um I think we are going to get there. Um, I hope that this situation just takes care of itself or I end up connecting with the right person. Um, Just talking to you, Rogan. Yeah, seriously. Um, So I hope that that happens. But essentially what we need to do, guys, is we need to go in and we need to look at what we're lacking, whether we can go back to to the nutrient density piece and find it, or whether we can supplement with it and then retest. You know, some of these supplements are absolute crap. And some of them don't have the bioavailability that they should because they aren't mixed with the other nutrients. Our body doesn't recognize them, throws them right out, you know, the other side. So supplements, we need to, to, to do that based on blood work for the most part. That's when you're going to get the most bang for your buck. That's when someone like a, like a Tim Ferriss talks about his selenium was super low and he ate Brazil nuts and his testosterone went flying through the roof. Like he didn't find that out by guessing 
he didn't find out that he was here and then now he's there. Like, yeah, he did He did say that he felt better, but he actually did the test retest to go there. Yep. So you can start small. A lot of people have, um, like, standard stuff built into their insurance where they could go, you know, at least get a vitamin panel and say, hey, maybe I'm a little low in this. Let's see if this works. You go test retest there. Um, there are companies that if you do have a specific problem you can go onto their website and they'll give you like part of the panel so you could do like a testosterone panel there are a lot of companies that are doing stuff now that's actually just you spit into a vial and send it back to them yep. and they can tell certain pieces by that is it like wellspring or something like there's that? so many of yeah. them um so you know I'm, I'm i'm confident that that stuff will improve and if i end up finding something out um i will personally use it and make sure that it you know, they're trustworthy company and, and we'll pass it on to you guys. The, and I, and, and I hope that people don't listen to that and say, damn it, I had my pen out. I was going to write down that supplement that you wanted me to take. Um, you know, I don't know if people would consider whey protein a supplement. I know that it's sort of in the supplement category, but it is food for the most part, depending on how much junk they put into it. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of good research there. Um, having a, having a protein shake, um, you know, about an hour post-workout once you're back into that rest and digest system, um, that can help a bunch, but I really, really recommend that people personalize it by test and retest as opposed to, you know, trying to navigate the placebo effect, which we all know is extremely powerful and we won't know whether we're wasting our money or not. The next question that I get is how do I eat to dot, dot, dot. How do I eat to gain weight? How do I eat to lose weight? How do I eat to maximize muscle growth? Things of that nature. Um, the one that I do want to touch on, how do I eat to gain weight? We get this question a lot. You are, once you've figured out that you don't have some sort of autoimmune disorder and there isn't a food that you're eating, that's, you know, this, I'm talking about myself personally. I um, have celiac disease and I was... Um, very small for a very long time and couldn't figure out what the heck was going on. And I tried everything. I tried high fat, high carb, high this, high that, these weight gainer shakes, drinking coconut milk. Like I tried all these different things and it didn't matter because I was also eating, you know, wheat, barley, rye, that, that family of grains. And it was forcing all of that food to come out of me in a way that you would know that you weren't digesting all that much. Shotgun fashion. Yes. So that's step number one. Step number two is you are the lucky person that gets to mix the carbs, protein, and fat all together at all of your meals. Um, and that's what's going to do it. That's, that's, how we, that's how we, you know, um, make sure that we get the stuff to stick to our bones a little bit more on a regular basis. Now, what I hope is that from a health standpoint – you're able to get to that weight that you're searching for, and then we can find a little bit more of an approach that will work within your genetics. But um, that's that route that you would take. Um, how do I eat to lose weight? Unfortunately, um, the the weight loss piece, a lot of it has to do um, with both calorie intake and then controlling insulin. So if we're looking to lose weight, we have to make sure that we are active and not overeating. Um, I am not on team calories do nothing and I am not on team calories are everything. We can take a, a, you know, that scientific mind and we can apply it to the fact that of course it matters how much you eat. Yep. Like you could never say that that's not the case. Um, I can tell you as somebody who recently lost about 35 pounds, sleep was probably one of the largest factors in that. Yeah. Um, the diet was there, the diet was in place. And right. it wasn't until I really started nailing down the sleep. Yeah. That thing started moving. Well, it's hard for the diet to work too. Yeah. If the sleep's not yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's so important to understand how all these pieces go together. And that's why, that's why we did the order we did. Yeah. Right. That legwork that I'm talking about before we personalize is, is really important. Um, how do I eat to lose weight? Um, we talked a lot in the fuel episode about insulin sensitivity. Um, fasting and exercise both bring on insulin sensitivity. Time throughout the day brings on insulin sensitivity. Um, those are the things that we need to be able to do so that we're not riding that insulin spike 
up and down and up and down and up and down throughout the day. Um, I will say to be very careful um, to not go onto the rabbit starvation diet, which is high protein, no carbs, no fat. It's a very dangerous, you know, from a mental standpoint, like that's as foggy as you can get. Um, so stay away from that. Make sure that you supplement your protein um, with a moderate amount of healthy fats. And there is a line there. I mean, we all know that fat is, you know, has a lot of calories per gram. So you just have to make sure that you're not that person that says keto bro and eats, you know, four jars of almond butter or whatever it is. That is a lot of calories. That's a lot of food. So make sure you get the fat in there when you go there. And if you work your butt off, you can have, you know, depending on your genetics and size and gender between hundred and 200 grams of carbohydrates and start over the next day. Um, how to eat to put on muscle. I would say how to eat to put on muscle is largely related to, um, carbohydrates specifically. So it's not necessarily, you know, we talked about how do we gain weight? A lot of people that want to know how to gain weight and how to add muscle are the same person. So we would add the weight. And then maybe once we were like, Ooh, that weight's softer than I wanted it to be. We could transition into the more of the, we, we maximize our insulin sensitivity and we snag two of those carb meals a day as opposed to one. That would be a way to ensure that you are doing the work it takes in the gym to add muscle. You're refueling those muscles so that they can, you know, think that the cycle kind of goes on and on. Um, and I'm assuming that we'll get more questions like this for the QA. So I'll sort of leave it at that. Um, and you know, the more strict your goals are, the more, you know, if you're trying to lose a hundred pounds, you're trying to make this massive life change, the more strict you kind of have to be with yourself. And the best advice I have is to backtrack, drive, sleep, mind, get yourself in the right place to take on that battle. Um, the, the movement piece, the, the questions that we're going to be getting there is, very, you know, highly related to people's specific fitness goals. Um, so we can just essentially give a few examples here. The weightlifting community, um, I'm sorry to break it to you, but they keep studying all of these protocols over and over and over and they all work. Um, if you go in the gym and work hard and follow linear progression and say, I lifted this much this week and I'm going to try to lift a little bit more this week. And you keep doing that. You are going to get stronger. And they have found some correlation between high rep being a little bit more muscle building and lower rep, the whole three to five reps of three to five sets, kind of the Holy grail of strength building that to be more on the power side. But a lot of that has to do with like the experience of being under heavy weight correlating to you get better at moving heavy weight. It's sort of the skill involved with those things. Whereas a lot of times the person who's trying to build muscle, um, there's less intensity worked in and they might not be maybe burning as many calories and that's keeping them in that range of holding on to a little bit more muscle. So if you want to get stronger or you want to look bigger, lift weights. That's the, the, the best thing that I can say about that. Um, my two favorite exercises hands down are, you know, from a weightlifting standpoint or the back squat and the deadlift back squat goes over the deadlift a little bit more just because we can do it a little bit more often. Um, and I find that people do that just a touch, not too much, but just a touch safer than the deadlift. Um, the deadlift though, bang for your buck. Like you can do a lot for your life by pulling one heavy dead a week for the rest of your life. One. And you know, I'd probably want it to be three to five, yeah. but that's, it's pretty profound to say like bang for your buck. That's it right there. Cause how long does it take to pull one deadlift? Not long. Right. Not long at all. Um, from a conditioning standpoint, um, this is sort of my area of expertise. Um, if we want to now Ted just laughed at me and that's because he's talking about my personal physical prowess Yeah, to hear Drew say that conditioning is his area of expertise. Now, if you watch the people I coach, you won't <laughs> Different laugh. Different story. You won't laugh at me, will you? So, um, this this part is is also fairly black and white. If we want to be able to go long and slow, um, if we want to get into the endurance community, we got a the the ten thousand hours thing is very true. We got to develop that aerobic base. It's like 
a lot of work, a lot of hours to get into that community. The way that that community is changing now is it's incorporating a little bit more of that longevity piece where there's strength involved. They're doing some, you know, moderate rate, moderate weight, higher rep squats, uh, more mobility work. A lot of that um, does have to do with them wanting to have the final kick at the end of their race, but it's also, you can't be out on the road if you're not strong and healthy. Right. Like this is allowing them to, to really get their training there. Opposite end of the spectrum. If we want to be able to go short and fast, and I am a physical expert on this topic, <laughs> joke that I'm going to start a website called one second workout.com. Um, every one of them. So, what we have to do here is we have to make sure that there's a conditioning piece um, that's involved with that. And that would be, you know, fast burpees, um, getting on a rowing machine and, and, you know, going hard for a short period of time. Um, everyone's favorite, the devil's tricycle, the air assault bike, um, going hard on that. And then the strength piece becomes more and more important when we're trying to, to deal with power output. And that goes back to, you know, everyone's friends, the back squat, deadlift, bench press, strict press, you know, moving weight, moving heavier weight as fast as you possibly can. And then when we get into the middle, it's about all of it. It's about the ability to pull from our strength, to be able to pull from our endurance, to be able to pull from, you know, power and, um, all of these different pieces. And if we want to be good in the middle, we should train just to the left and just to the right of the middle. Um, on a very regular basis. So a lot of coaches call, you know, even endurance coaches call that middle, that pretty hard for moderate distance. They call it black hole training. Cause a lot of times that's the goal. Like the test is the goal, um, at the very end, but you don't necessarily train that way. You run harder than you would in the race for either intervals or a shorter period of time or shorter distance. And then you run much longer to be able to get, you know, you learn how to flush waste and, and all of that stuff. So, um, the movement piece on the specific fitness goals side, um, a lot of it is actually extremely intuitive. Like I want to be able to do this, so I should do this, but that's super well-rounded, like the athlete in the middle. Um, it's, it's a lot of work in, in a bunch of different areas, um, being able to transition, you know, through a bunch of different movements and a bunch of different skill sets to be able to get you back to where you're trying to go there. Um, so with, with the only, the only other thing that I want to say about the movement piece is a lot of people right now, after listening to that episode, uh, just did a lecture on Sunday about this or like, Whoa. Um, okay. So that's what you meant by movement. Um, a lot of people are scrambling there and, and all I can say is, um, what gets measured gets managed. So trying to find some sort of tracking system and it can be, it can be whatever it can be the steps thing. But if it is the steps thing, make sure that you can tell when you took those steps um, so that they are spread out really well. We are moving more often than than being obsessed with moving really fast for a short period of time. Um, maybe it's just a whiteboard that has little checks on it. Maybe it's your notebook. Maybe it's your cell phone, whatever it is. Um, if that's, you know, again, I, I, I told you guys last week, I was blown away by that research the more and more I read about it. And that's you know, one of my new goals is to, to really change that part of my life. So I get you. And I just am, you know, working through that personally myself as well and trying to make sure that I pay attention to it on a daily basis. Um, we talk about momentum. We talk about all these pieces. Like we really want to be able to, um, get ourselves like really focused on something so that after we do it for a few weeks, it just sort of starts happening a little bit more. Becomes habit. Exactly. Yep. Um, so, you know, to try to wrap all this stuff up, I hope that you guys have gone through the last six weeks and said, you know, Ooh, I like that. That applies to me. I, you found these like little pieces and you're making changes and things are, are, are going better for you. Um, and then now we can start to get into that personalization piece. And with the Q&A episode next week, what I'm hoping is that I can address some of that stuff for you guys. Um, so again, Instagram, Facebook, there's going to be a little video of me standing in front of this like wood wall. Just throw your questions down or like the one, you know, that, that you want to be answered. And um, 
I'll answer as, as many of the questions that I think apply to a bunch of people as I can. Um, and, you know, hopefully we get a bunch of them so that that can actually be helpful for a lot of people. So um, I believe that's it. You got anything else? No, no. Um, as always, uh, we appreciate all social media interaction. Facebook is just Misfit Project. Website, misfitproject.com. Um, you guys just search the Misfit Project on iTunes, on Stitcher, on... Uh, I think that's it. That's it? Yeah. yeah. So if you search in those places, you'll find it. And it, honestly, if you typed in Misfit Project Podcast, um, I've actually ran this exercise myself. If you type that into like a search engine, it'll give you, you know, a few ways to find it. So um, easiest way though, misfitproject.com. Click on blog and you can read the blog post that's associated with it. Um, for this specific episode, um, hashtag is TMPU. And that's spelled out Y-O-U. Um, anytime you tag us with uh, hashtag Misfit, the Misfit Project, we'll see that. Um, keep sending us the direct messages. Keep tagging us in your Instagram stories. Keep helping each other. Keep helping yourself. Um, it's been really fun so far and really excited to see where we can take this thing. Yeah. See you guys next week. Until next time.